Today, uh, we come to the fourth lesson in a uh, four-week series on uh, marriage and the family. So in this closing lesson, our focus will be on how to be an effective parent or grandparent. I've entitled the lesson, How to Raise Up a Champion for Christ. Now, let me just be very clear what I mean by a champion for Christ. I'm not trying to say that a champion of Christ has to be someone who goes into full-time Christian service. We're talking about a child that will grow up to love the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to come to know Him, uh, where Christ is His first love, uh, where He desires to impact His world, wherever God has placed Him uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ and is making a difference uh, for the Lord. And then let me say right from the beginning, uh, just uh, because Kathy and I have 10 children, we are not experts on parenting. Uh, 10 children have only provided Kathy and I the opportunity to make more mistakes than the rest of you. Uh, now, the one advantage that we do have is this. With all the mistakes that we've made, we've had the opportunity, hopefully, to learn from some of those mistakes. So my point is, uh, we're struggling with parenting issues and have just like uh, all of you do. Uh, but what I can say with integrity is that what I share today is not theory, but lessons learned in the ups and downs of striving to raise up uh, champions for Christ. I also need to say in the introduction that I do not believe that God has given some kind of guarantee that if a parent does everything right, that their child will be a champion for Christ. Our children have minds and wills of their own. And at times they make sinful decisions. Godly parents have prodigal children. Just like our perfect Heavenly Father has prodigal children. So I believe it's cruel to assume that just because a parent is having trouble with a child, uh, that the root problem is with the parent. But on the other hand, I do believe we need to acknowledge, and I believe you would agree with me, that no one, absolutely no one, is in a more strategic position to influence a child than that child's parents. Therefore, we must have the courage to honestly evaluate our lives, to determine if we are providing an atmosphere, a godly atmosphere in our homes that's conducive to raising up champions for Christ. So please follow along in your sermon notes. As you notice, I've taken the word champion and uh, built an acrostic uh, to communicate uh, what God, I do believe, expects uh, of parents. And that first truth, I'll spend actually uh, more time on this truth than any of the others. So don't get scared thinking we're going to be here all day. Uh, but I spend a little more time here because this is the key to everything, and that is create a desire for God. That's the first thing that we need to realize as parents what God has called us to do, is to create a desire 
in the hearts of our children for God. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Notice the word train up. Uh, That phrase is the translation of a Hebrew word, kanak, which has two fundamental meanings. The first meaning carries the idea of dedication. Uh, The word kanak is used four times in the Old Testament, uh, twice referring to a man uh, dedicating his home to God, uh, once to dedicating the temple to God, and then here in Proverbs 22, to dedicating a child to God. Now, what does it mean to dedicate your child uh, to God? Well, let's not uh, just talk about it. Uh, let's do it. And so I'd like to present to you right now for dedication to God, uh, Samuel Jacob Wright, known as Sammy. Uh, Sammy's parents are Stephen and uh, Carol Wright. Uh, Many of you know Carol is our seventh child. Sammy is our 23rd grandchild, the most uh, recent of our grandchildren. Uh, Stephen and Carol, they live in uh, Fort Mill, uh, South Carolina, of course, visiting us over the holidays. And they ask, uh, would we be kind enough uh, to dedicate Sammy to the Lord Uh, while they're here so that the family could participate and we've given them uh, that that privilege. Now, dedicating Sammy to the Lord uh, begins by simply what? Surrendering him uh, to the Lord. Uh, Asking God that as Sammy grows, that by God's grace, his heart will be what? Captured by the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he becomes captured by the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And that he would fulfill the unique God-given destiny that God has for him. And so uh, this morning we acknowledge that Sammy is what? A gift from God, but a stewardship what? Given to Stephen and Carol. uh, To raise him up to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, again, to be captured by Christ and to fulfill His God-given destiny, and hopefully we trust to become a champion for Christ. Uh, But dedicating Sammy to the Lord involves much more than that, especially for Stephen and Carol. And this is the thing that we often miss in baby dedication. In dedicating Sammy to the Lord, Stephen and Carol are also dedicating their lives to God. Uh, in order to give Sammy an example worth following. Because how can they raise a champion for Christ if they're not champions for Christ? Because you see, whether it's in athletics or with Christ, uh, champions are typically created because what? They're following the example of a champion that has preceded them. So this brings us to the second meaning of the word kanak. Not just dedication, uh, but it means to create a desire. The the word, the etymology of the word, how it was originally used, uh, referred to actually the process that uh, a Hebrew midwife would go through right after the birth of a baby, where she would take uh, crushed dates or olive oil, 
and she would rub it on the uh, mouth of the child to stimulate sucking so that the baby could put, be put immediately to the mother's breast to find nourishment. And then as the word continued to develop, it came to mean to create uh, a desire. So the most, most fundamental question that a parent can ask, the most fundamental parent a grandparent can ask is this, how thirsty am I making my child for Christ? And what is your best opportunity to create a thirst for Christ in the heart and life of your child? By giving them a taste of Jesus, how? Through your life. And we will never, therefore, create a desire in the heart of our children for the Lord Jesus unless what? First, our lives are overflowing with Christ. Here's the simple truth for Stephen and Carol and every parent and grandparent. The God they will communicate to Sammy, and he has an older brother, Boone, the God that they will communicate to Sammy and Boone will not be the God that they talk about in their home. It will be the God whose life they live out. They will never be able to impart to these children what they do not possess themselves. That's why it all comes back to their personal relationship with Christ. Uh, Radical, authentic Christianity is more caught than taught. And I think we would all admit the children and youth of our day are longing to see champions for Christ. So today as Stephen and Carol present Sammy to the Lord, they're not only dedicating Sammy to the Lord Jesus Christ, they are renewing what? Their own dedication to the Lord Jesus to provide him an example worth following. So before Sammy gets even more agitated with his grandfather, uh, let's go ahead and pray. And, and I think this is significant. Uh, he, Samuel Jacob, his middle name is Jacob. He's named after Kathy's father. Kathy's father was the most probably godly man I've ever known or met. And I can't think of anything better to pray for Sammy than he would follow in his... Uh, Uh, Great daddy, uh, great grandfather's footsteps to know the Lord and follow him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, Sammy, and we do surrender him to you. We thank you that truly he is a gift that you have given to uh, Stephen and Carol, and they have accepted this stewardship and the challenge that it presents, uh, knowing that they are totally dependent upon your grace that they are uh, impotent, and apart from you, they can do nothing. But at the same time, they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. So, Lord, as they dedicate Sammy to the Lord, we also uh, ask that you'll give Stephen and Carol great grace to live out the authenticity of their Christianity before him, first in their own relationship as husband and wife, and then as they relate to Boone and uh, Sammy, and as they uh, live their lives that they would truly uh, extend and express and display your light, life, and love. And as Sammy and his brother Boone taste Jesus through the lives of their parents, that this would create that insatiable desire uh, to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to know uh, the God of their parents, not to just know about Him, but to know Him 
in intimacy, to know him experientially uh, as uh, Sammy uh, later, as your grace moves on him, would place his faith in you uh, to follow you. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would give Sammy the great grace to follow in his great-grandfather's footsteps, uh, Kathy's dad, that uh, he would develop uh, the love that uh, his great-grandfather had for the Lord Jesus, the love for the Word of God, uh, the love for uh, prayer, uh, the spiritual disciplines that um, uh, you worked into his life to make him the great man of God that he was. And so, Lord, we pray in Sammy that another Jacob would be raised up uh, that would honor you and, uh, and follow you. So, Lord, uh, fill Sammy now with the knowledge of what you've willed for his life. Uh, capture him, that he would uh, know your wisdom and understanding as he grows, as he moves forward in life, uh, that as you capture his heart, that he would walk worthy of his calling in Christ to please you in all things and truly be a champion for Jesus. For it's in his name we do pray. Amen. Well, give Sammy a little love. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. I, I can't remember. Was Carol worse than that when we dedicated her? Do you remember? <laughs> oh. Now, as we move on, after what I just shared in the dedication, uh, let me raise a question. Does this mean, if the key is the lives of the parents, provide an example worth following, uh, our lives being overflowing with Christ, so our children can taste Jesus through us, does that mean that our lives have to be perfect to have a godly impact on our children? No, 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 a thousand times no. Our children can handle our imperfections as long as we are honest about our failures and in our sin and our failures, they see us seek Christ's forgiveness as well as their forgiveness. I'm a good example of this. Uh, I have not been the best father. Uh, I'll be very honest with you. I have many, many regrets in light of the many, many mistakes uh, I have made as a parent, as a dad, and uh, that I still uh, make. Uh, but I have always been honest with my children. They have witnessed their daddy's failures, their daddy's weakness caused me to lean more and more on Jesus and develop a greater intimacy and love for Jesus. My children know that despite my imperfections, my deficiencies, my failure, they know that Jesus is my first love. That Jesus is my greatest passion and my greatest pursuit in life. Now, does that guarantee that my children are going to all be champions for Christ? No, because they're going to be confronted with decisions. And they can resist God's grace. 
But I pray that they will follow my example because I truly do love Jesus. And I trust that through my life, through Kathy's life, our lives together, they'll get a taste of Jesus that will create that insatiable uh, desire for Him. See, our children need to see us be real about our struggles. But at the same time, they need to see us in our struggles turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Children can handle imperfection. You know what they cannot handle? They cannot handle hypocrisy. When we try to cover up, when we try to excuse our failures, when we try to pretend to be something that we're not, that's what they can't handle. I'm convinced, after 40 plus years in ministry, I'm convinced that many children, not all, but many children rebel not against authentic Christianity but the superficial imitations that they often witness in our lives that turns them off Uh, they're turned off by a watered down Christianity where we walk in a compromising faith They're, they're turned off by a legalistic Christianity, where it's all duty and no uh, delight, just heavy burdens. They're turned off by a Christianity that is joyless, that is lifeless, that is powerless. They're turned off by a Christianity that never convicts us, never breaks us, never really excites us, thrills us, as we sang earlier at the very beginning of this service. Or a Christianity that never causes us to weep. They're turned off by a Christianity that is really not worth living for or dying for. So the problem really is, from a parental perspective, I mean, the kids have their own responsibilities, if we mention, I've made that very clear. There's no guarantees here. But we do have responsibilities as parents. The, our main failure often is that we're vaccinating our children with Christianity instead of infecting them with it. You understand what I mean by that? You understand what vaccination is? It's giving someone a what? A mild case of the disease so they never what? Get the real full-blown thing. And so what we're doing, we're vaccinating our children with a mild case of Christianity. And as a result, they're not catching the real thing. So bottom line, children are turned off by a mediocre Christianity. And they long to see a champion for Christ. So here's the, here's the main challenge for parents and grandparents today. Who will be that champion? Dad? Mom? Grandparent? Will you be that champion? If not you, then who? And if not now, then when? And again, I don't want you to fall into guilt about past failures. I have enough past failures myself and guilt. But that guilt is dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's always a new beginning with Jesus. And so today's the day, if you need to, to begin to get honest with God, to get honest with your children, your grandchildren, and now begin to give them 
an example that's worth following. So that's our first point, the most important point, to create a desire for God, which comes back to your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at the second point. We have to hold them accountable. We have to hold them accountable. Now, everything everything that we say from this point forward, it rests on the foundation of what we just talked about, where we're being champions for Christ. Jesus is our first love, greatest passion, pursuit. Again, not that we're perfect, but we're we're not being hypocrites. When we do fail in our input, we're being totally honest, totally transparent about all that and teaching our children to turn to Jesus in that. But we do need to hold them accountable. Look at Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And circle or underline that word discipline. I do believe there is a difference between punishment and discipline. And what I mean by that is punishment. In punishment, typically the purpose is to inflict penalty. The focus is on the past, some past offense of the child or person. Often the attitude is one of anger, and the result is fear. So so in punishment, it's to inflict penalty. Often the focus is on a past offense. Often we're motivated by anger, and all that does is it results in creating fear in the heart of a child. On the other hand, in discipline, true godly discipline, the purpose is what? Not to inflict penalty, but to promote growth. Now, now there's pain in that. We acknowledge that. But the primary motive, the primary goal is not to inflict penalty, but to promote growth. By teaching the child the painful consequences of disobedience to turn them to obedience to be able to know God's blessing. So the focus in discipline is not on the past offense, it's more on the future. You're thinking of that child's future. You're thinking of that child's character development. You're you're wanting to raise that champion for Christ. And, And the attitude, the motivation is what? Love. To promote that child's spiritual well-being. To see this as a teaching moment, a teaching opportunity. And the result, most often, is when there's that loving discipline. And yes, there's going to be pain involved. But it does provide boundaries. And those boundaries provide security as children come to love. That yes, even their Heavenly Father has put boundaries in life. But those boundaries are not because He's some sort of cosmic killjoy. He's trying to protect them from that which will harm them. And he's trying to provide for them the most pleasurable, the most joyful experiences in life in following the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the next point. Affirm them continually. Affirm them continually. Oh, by the way, let me just go back to the hold them accountable. It's good to to do that uh, to provide mutual accountability. Uh, And let me just tell all my children, they can all rest. If you're present, I'm not going to use you as an example. But children that are not here, they're open game today. Uh, Y'all all all know Carrie. Carrie and Robert were here not too long ago back in uh, Love Indeed. Uh, Robert, the pastor over at uh, Highland Community Church. Carrie, his wife. Uh, uh, Here's a good example of what I'm talking about. When Carrie was uh, probably uh, mid-elementary age, 
uh, she began to really develop a, a, a problem with, uh, with, with anger. And uh, Kathy and I noticed that. And, um, and I had to realize as a dad, she probably got that very honestly from her father. And I mentioned this last week. My tendency is I'm, I'm more the blow-upper, uh, where Kathy is more the clam-upper. So, so I, I lovingly went to Carrie, and I said, uh, uh, Carrie, uh, let me just, because I love you, share something uh, me and your mother have noticed. It seems like you're, you're, you're struggling with... Uh, sort of controlling your, your anger and emotions with your other siblings and uh, situation. And Carrie, you know, I can really understand. And you know I understand because you have witnessed, you've seen, I'm, I have the same struggle you have, don't I? And she quickly admitted that, yes, her daddy did have the same struggle. And I said, you know what, maybe we can both help one another. Maybe you could help me. You know, I've noticed in my life, I don't often in, just immediately notice that I'm beginning to go down that place where it's going to lead me to irritability and real frustration and, and anger and blow up. But I know that, that mom and all you children, you can, you can see when I'm going down that direction. I said, would you help me? I said, any time when you see me, now, I don't want you to embarrass me in front of the family. So would you just, just sort of get my attention and just do this? And that will be a secret signal between you and I that Daddy needs to get a hold of himself right now. He needs to turn to God's grace and bring those thoughts captive and, uh, not, and stop going down that line. And then, Carrie, maybe I can help you. And I, I don't want to embarrass you either. So if I notice that's happening with you, I'll get your attention. All I'm going to do is pull on my earlobe. Because let's be honest, most of the struggles our children have, we have as well, right? Because they learn many of those things from us. Affirm them continually is the next thing. Affirm them continually. Uh, look at Proverbs 22.6, which we've already looked at from the Amplified Version which really gives a good rendering, I believe, of the intent of the verse. It says, train up a child in keeping with his individual gift or bent, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This verse really is telling parents we need to study our children, evaluate our children, understand our children, that they are different. And you cannot raise every child the same way. I mean, the same principles... Same things involved, there can be the same boundaries and all that, but children are different. And you need to recognize that. I'll give you another example. He's not here. Jamie. Uh, Jamie is our third child. Um, I thought Jamie, uh, many of y'all know Gerilyn Seville, our financial secretary. Her mother was Mary Humber, who had... I, might have been the longest tenure of any person we've ever had in our nursery. I think Mrs. Humber had the three-year-old department for like close to 50 years. And Jamie came along toward the end of her tenure, and I thought Jamie was going to take Mary Humber to her grave. Uh, Jamie was a handful. Jamie was uh, totally different than our first two, uh, Jonathan and, and, uh, and, and Christy. He was... Um, 
a very outgoing, a very lovable child, but he never stopped for a moment to think. He just lived off of his emotions. You know, with Jamie, you'd cross, you'd draw the line in the sand. Okay, Jamie, don't cross this. Jamie never knew how he got across the line. You know, and it was always somebody else's fault. We thought he was going to be a lawyer when he grew up, you know. Uh, he became so well at defending himself. He developed a violent temper uh, and, uh, and very difficult. He was a very late bloomer. Uh, he struggled with his studies. Uh, Kathy and I thought he would take us to our grave and working with him with his own homework and, 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 and schoolwork. But the thing we realized, and, and keep in mind now, Jonathan and Christy, they're stellar students. You know, the straight A type. And uh, don't even have to work very hard to do it. And here's Jamie. It had been very easy for us to compare the children and sort of dump on Jamie. But what we learn is, as a parent, don't reward success. Reward effort. And maybe Jamie getting a C or a B was a more significant achievement than his older brother or sister getting an A. And, and that's the type of thing that I'm talking about. And, and let me just tell you, there is hope. Uh, I'll never forget, I don't know if I've ever shared this before in the church, I'll never forget a few years back, we had the family together, his wife was there, Tiffany, and we were around, the, and the children began talking about old experiences, and they got talking about Jamie, and just how difficult he was. You know, he'd be one of those, you'd be in the middle of a game, he'd get upset, He'd want to walk out, you know, just ruin the whole game for everybody. And again, he had, he had this temper and all, all this stuff. And, and I, I was sort of sitting there just watching Tiffany, just listening to this. And then after all the children, you know, got finished, and it was a lot of laughter, a lot of fun. I mean, Jamie was laughing with us. Tiffany all of a sudden stopped and said, I don't even know that Jamie. Uh, that Jamie doesn't exist from me. So I say that with parents. There's hope, parents. There's really hope. And in his studies, you know, uh, uh, Jamie uh, has now gotten his uh, doctorate from seminary. Uh, you know, got his uh, master's and his uh, doctorate and is in ministry up in uh, Loganville. So there is hope. But uh, affirm them continually. It's so important to find what they're good at, reward not so much success, but effort. This, the letter M, major on relationships, not rules. Major on relationships, not rules. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to say you can't have rules. Our home would not have survived without rules. Uh, it would have been total chaos. But I'm trying to say we need to major on relationships because you've all heard the saying, and it's very, very true. Uh, rules without relationships equals what? Rebellion. You know, trying to establish rules and regulations when there's no relationship, that tend, tend, tends to lead to rebellion. And, and this gives me an opportunity to reemphasize something we talked about. We're talking about relationships. What did we say that a wife's greatest need is in marriage? Affection. What did we say that a husband's greatest need is? Admiration. 
So the husband needs to give his wife affection. The wife needs to give her husband admiration. And what's a child's greatest need? Attention, time, and quality time, focused time with that child. And so major on relationships, not rules. Uh, demonstrate to that child that you unconditionally accept them. And that's going to make them feel secure with you. Look for every opportunity you can to express appreciation. Because that can be tough. I know you mothers with small children. I mean, in, in a single day, you probably say the word no 300 times. Uh, but work hard at expressing appreciation, which provides a child feelings of worth. Make yourself available to your children. Spend time with them. That tells them that they are important. Uh, Show them affection, physical affection, touch, hugs, uh, stroke their hair, which lets them know that they're loved, but then also provide accountability, which provides them feelings of responsibility. And also on this point, major on relationships, not rules. Kathy and I, looking back, this is one of the things we're most thankful for that we did. We put a lot of stock on trying to create fun times in our home. We put a lot of stock on uh, family nights on uh, vacations, uh, and it was very difficult for us, to be honest. Uh, we, we made some significant financial sacrifices uh, in terms of vacations and some of these things because we thought it was important to build those relationships and to build those fun times. Move to the letter P, as our time is moving. Pray daily. Pray daily for your children. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 23 the prophet said, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you in the good and right way. I have prayed for every one of my children the moment we knew Kathy had conceived them in the womb. And I've prayed for them that, from that day to this day. Uh, I'll give you a prayer that I think is a marvelous prayer to pray for your children. I've shared this before from the pulpit. It's the prayer that I pray daily for my children, and that's the prayer in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. It reads, God, and I'll, and I'll give it the way I would pray it for my children. God, would you, would you fill them, my children, with the knowledge of what you've willed for their lives? Would you please impart to them in life circumstances your wisdom and understanding that you would give them the grace to walk worthy of their calling in Christ, to please you in every aspect of their lives and ministry, bearing fruit in every good work? Would you increase them in their knowledge of you that they might make you known to others? Would you give them strength, power, and might in their inner being that would produce a steadfastness, a joy in every circumstance? That you would give them the grace to run the course you've laid out before them with endurance, remaining faithful to Jesus every step of that race, remaining faithful all the way across the finish line so that they will hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Look at the letter I. The letter I, instill God's word. Instill God's word. Uh, look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 from the paraphrase, the message. Write these commandments that I'm gi I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. 
In other words, this is why it comes back to our relationship with Christ. If I'm walking with the Lord, and I'm, I'm making every effort by His grace to bring my thoughts captive to Jesus, to see all of life from God's perspective, when you live life that way, in every day, there are literally hundreds of, of spontaneous teaching moments. So I'm not talking so much here about formal teaching. I'm not trying to say there's not a place for that. But I'm talking about you're sitting watching a TV program or you pass a billboard. There are so many things that you have an opportunity to point out. Uh, a godly perspective or, or to correct a, uh, a false philosophy or a false perspective on, on life. And uh, where you just have the opportunity to take your children to Jesus. But if it's not in your heart, that's never going to happen. It's only as it's in your heart does it become a part of your home. And only as it becomes a part of your home does it become a part of what? Habit. There, there it is. Heart, home, habit. That's what we're after. We want to get it in our hearts where it becomes just a natural thing in our home that everything is viewed from the filter of God's Word. And so every moment is sort of a teaching moment. We're just in spontaneous conversation and, uh, and, and, and developing that, that habit. Uh, so you cannot impart to your child what you do not possess. Look at the letter O. So important, oppose evil influences. Oppose evil influences. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. And abstain from every form of evil. And I wish I had more time. I don't. But especially for you parents today, the technology issue. You have to look at that. You have to address that. The computers, the phones, the, you know, all of that that goes, goes with it. We, we didn't have to face that as much when we were raising our children. And I'll tell you, a great place to go for help and assistance, that's Focus on the Family. If you go to Focus on the Family, their website, you can get a lot of help for a parent on how to deal with technology issues in relationship, not only to your small children, but your elementary children, your youth-age children. And I would strongly encourage you to go there. And, uh, and to be very honest, uh, we'll, we'll look at, we, we probably need to address that more here in a formal way uh, at the church. And we'll, look, we'll discuss that as a staff and look for opportunities to do that. And then look at the, le the last letter in the word champion, in never give up. Never give up. Uh, we've looked at this verse in uh, previous uh, messages in this very series. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every experience. In other words, simply put, you want to communicate to your child, there's nothing you could ever do that would stop me from loving you. That's what you want to communicate. You could never do anything that would stop me from loving you. And let me close with this. I thought you would enjoy it. This was written by a dad. After his parenting years, looking back, trying to provide some advice. And this is what he wrote. It's not long, but it's, it's, it's very meaningful. He says, my family is all grown. The kids are all gone. But if I had to do it all over again, this is what I would do. I would love my wife more in front of my children. 
Let me just put a parenthesis there. For you married couples, there's nothing more important that you can do for your child than to love one another. I would love my wife more in front of my children. I would laugh with my children more at our mistakes and our joys. I would listen more, even to the youngest child. I would be more honest. We talked about that, didn't we? I'd be more honest about my weaknesses and stop pretending perfection. I would pray differently for my family. Instead of focusing on them, I would focus on me. I would do more things with my children. I would do more encouraging and bestow more praise. I would pay more attention to little things, deeds and words of love and kindness. Finally, if I had to do it all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. I would use every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day to point them to God. Great advice. Amen. Bow with me in prayer. Father, um, as a parent, uh, speaking to parents and grandchildren, oh Lord, um, you know our failures. You know our imperfections, you know our weaknesses, you know our deficiencies. Lord, I know you know mine, and I know my wife and my children know mine. And Lord, we just praise you uh, for that one truth that I share, that hey, our children can handle the imperfections, what they can't handle is the hypocrisy. So Lord, continue to give me the grace, continue to give us all the grace to stop pretending to be honest with you, with our children, with our wives, with all around us. Um, that we would not be afraid to be open about the struggles that we have, even with various strongholds in our life. But that at the same time, in those struggles, our children would see us turning to Christ. Uh, not just for forgiveness, but for empowerment to live a changed life. And even to go to our children and ask them, I need you to pray for me. I need you to help me uh, in this endeavor because there is nothing more important to me than the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and then, Lord, give us grace as we grow uh, to enable our children to taste Jesus through our lives and that that taste would create an insatiable desire, thirst in them uh, to know you, not just know about you, but to truly know you experientially, intimately, as their first love, greatest passion and pursuit. So, Lord, our primary prayer today is make us all champions of Christ. Because as we've just seen, we're never going to raise a champion for Christ as a parent unless first we're a champion for Christ. Providing them that example worth following. And again, recognizing it doesn't mean that we're without mistakes. Even champions lose games, uh, make terrible mistakes. But they don't let that, that stop them from learning from that and moving forward. And so, Lord, continue to give us that grace to do so. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.